So, welcome back to Deep Dive for Life, the show where we take a deep dive into Christian life. Uh, we've had a little bit of a little bit of time off from the podcasting world, but we are now back in action. I'm your host, Chris Abercrombie. With me, as always, is Andrew Scholl. Uh, how you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, we've had a little bit of a break just because, well, life happens. But we are glad to be able to bring back the podcast and back into some of the themes and tidbits of Christian life that we didn't get to before now. So um, today we have, uh, I think we've touched on the, I think we've touched on this topic briefly before, um, but we are going to talk about is total rejection of the prosperity gospel actually forfeiting some of God's provision for your life? Oh, okay. Also known as the name and claim it gospels. Um, health and wealth. Health and wealth gospels. Um, but just for some of our listeners who maybe don't know what the prosperity gospel is, uh, could you give us like a brief overview uh, of what it could be? It has a lot of different forms. And as you would imagine, it's a very popular mm. theology because it is what people want to hear. Right. And of course, scripture does have some admonitions against. Uh, that in the last days, people will not put up with sound doctrine, but will only put up with what they actually want to hear. And right. Boy, if that's not a description of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the prosperity gospel basically is that if you trust God, if you do the right things, if you um, are faithful, then you will be rewarded, not just with spiritual blessings, but with financial material blessings as well. And so um, sometimes you think about it in terms of if you put $5 in the offering plate, you'll get 10 back that week somehow, right, right. you know, that God will will double your blessing. And mm-hmm. so um, particularly media type preachers have um, utilized that sort of theology a lot, and it's very helpful in raising funds, right? particularly. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a component there that is about money and about the accumulation of wealth. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a component there that, hey, um, if you are really trusting God, then he will heal you, take care of this illness, he'll take care of the sickness. And so that's where the health part of the health and wealth idea comes in, that, mm-hmm. that you won't experience these difficulties in life or sickness or sorrow because you have faith that is stronger than this. And so that presents a challenging message um, in that we live in a world of brokenness and a world where there is a lot of pain and suffering. And so it it creates a false hope for right, a lot of people. Right. And even tacking onto that, there comes a lot of uh, faith shaming because, yes. say, if you are sick, well, it's because you are not faithful enough, right? Um, or you have not, like, you missed a church service once when you were five, so yes. um, you are now blind, right? Um, which I guess scripturally does have a bit of basis. A lot of people used to blame physical ailments on even your parents sinning, right? Um, back in Jesus's time, even. Yeah, and, and beyond. Uh, you know, there's that famous passage in John chapter 9 where uh, Jesus and the disciples encounter a man who's born blind. Mm-hmm. And the disciples' question is, well, obviously this is sin. Was it his sin that caused this him to be born blind, or was it his parents' sin? Was mm-hmm. he punished in the womb for something his parents had done? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, of course, shifts the conversation to talking about how God will be glorified through his blindness, and then he gives him a sight. Yeah. Um, which is an amazing miracle and a powerful testimony. He's the guy who says, I don't know if this man's a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Mm-hmm. Inspires some pretty good hymns. Mm-hmm. So this topic came from a seminary professor and a preacher 
And the dilemma that he was faced with was his car broke down. And he needed to purchase a new vehicle, which him and his wife had researched various used vehicles. And he came across or ultimately landed on a BMW. It was a 15-year-old BMW that really was not drove very much. It didn't have very high mileage on it. But he polled his students and even his congregation to see. Uh, he, he posted it on Facebook to see if um, they would feel okay with him driving a BMW as a pastor. Wow. Okay. Because I guess he felt like someone in his position should not have very fancy things, quote right. unquote, fancy things. Right. And then this sparked a whole discussion um, and even an article about whether or not completely rejecting the prosperity gospel, even in his case, I feel like he was being very modest about it, but just the fact that he felt the guilt of driving a BMW is very interesting that we would limit ourselves in. Right. Um, so his thought was, is limiting the prosperity gospel or thoughts of the prosperity gospel actually limiting God's provision for your life? Okay. Um, of course, we're not saying that everyone who drives a BMW is automatically prosperity gospel and should be shamed immediately. Mm. I mean, I do not particularly like the prosperity gospel. I don't like what it's doing to our mindset. Okay. And you see a lot of people who get sucked into these churches. Right. Who they they make very interesting little Instagram posts, mm. uh, very interesting little sound bites of pastors who say, you know, if you really want if you want if you want your blessing, you have to claim it. Right. Uh, I feel like we've twisted it for our own gain. Yes. And selfishness. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll we'll take a look at each side here. We'll take a look at the prosperity gospel. We'll take a look at like pros for the prosperity gospel, and we'll take okay. a look at the cons. Well, don't keep me in suspense. Did he buy the BMW? I don't believe he actually did. Okay. Um, he doesn't really. He doesn't say, but it seems like he decided not to buy it. Okay. So I guess he felt like his maybe his status would have been elevated too much driving a BMW. Wow. Okay. I don't know. From my perspective, I'd want something reliable, and right, they're supposed to be. So, right. Anyway. Yeah. So what does the Bible say? Um, every blessing in our lives comes from God. Mm. He is the source of everything that is good in our lives. That's from James chapter 1. Uh, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So God is constantly at work for our good. And if, particularly if you go back to Genesis and think about the life of Abraham or the life of Isaac or the life of Jacob or mm. even Joseph, um, of course, those are some of the main characters in the story in Genesis. Um, God blessed each of those. Uh, this past Sunday, we looked at the life of Joseph in the worship service, and mm-hmm. you know, at every turn, God blesses Joseph. Now, God's blessing doesn't keep him out of being thrown into a cistern, being enslaved, being thrown into prison, being falsely accused. So those are some pretty traumatic life events. But everywhere that Joseph went, God blessed him, mm-hmm. and those blessings were so evident, so obvious, that even the pagan Egyptians recognized God's hand in Joseph's life. So God's blessings there provided a witness, and they accomplished a larger purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think the teaching of Scripture on a whole is that we are not blessed for privilege. We're not blessed for our comfort. We're not blessed for fulfilling our own selfish desires or fueling our selfish desires. Mm-hmm. We are instead blessed to be a blessing. If we are blessed by God, we should use that blessing to bless others. And so... It is true that God blesses people. It is true that that there are some people who um, have been blessed materially and financially. 
but they should not take that as a sign of privilege. They should, in fact, find ways to use those things for the glory of God Mm -hmm. and to be a blessing to others. But going back to the story of Joseph, if someone didn't really read into what was going on in that situation, you could think that, oh, well, he had a relationship with God, thus everything he did prospered, everything he did turned out well for him, even though he was in a bad situation. He prayed about this situation, and suddenly everything got better. And so they automatically assume that the same thing will happen to them. Yeah, and they're not reading the story very carefully, because Mm. nothing, well, Pharaoh recognizing Joseph, that's a pretty sudden thing, Mm -hmm. but he was sold as a slave at age 17, Mm -hmm. and he's not recognized by Pharaoh until age 30. So that's, you know, most people don't patiently wait on blessings quite that long. <laughs> and even I uh, remember another part of the story, he was when he was in prison, Cupbearer was restored back to his place. I mean, he had to wait in prison two more years. Yes. And that that's a long time to be in prison. <laughs> it is. It is. So God is much more interested in our character mm. than he is in our comfort. And so even though Joseph went through some horrible things, I mean, nobody would want to be enslaved or falsely accused or thrown into an Egyptian prison. Yet God used those things to mold and shape Joseph into the man that he needed to be and the man that he became. Mm -hmm. And so Joseph makes some powerful theological statements about God, that that God takes the evil people intend and uses it for good. Uh, It's an amazing, mature uh, spiritual outlook that Joseph probably would not have really known if he had remained just the privileged son of Jacob. Mm. So God uses the circumstances and events in our life to shape and to mold us. Uh, there are all kinds of images of this in Scripture, whether it be a refiner's fire where the mm. dross you know, comes to the top and so you wind up with a pure reflection mm-hmm. uh, from metal, or a gardener who prunes plants so that they can become even more fruitful. Now, you know, if somebody's coming at you with pruning shears, that's not a pleasant thought at all. We mm-hmm. would run. And yet there are times when the circumstances of our lives are used to prune away those things that are holding us back mm. and keeping us from really producing the fruit that we need. To. But from someone who maybe subscribes to the prosperity gospel theology, that could be a sign of their unfaithfulness. Yeah. So, so they're, they're missing a lot of blessing. Because I'm sure they would think, oh, well, God has abandoned me. Be, right. But in fact, he may actually be pruning them into the person that they need to be. Right. And that's one of the huge dangers of the prosperity gospel, because it sets you up to fail. Ah. Um, if you've got money, that doesn't mean you're always going to have money. Mm-hmm. If you are comfortable, it doesn't mean you're always going to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. If you're healthy, it doesn't mean you're always going to be healthy. And so when those trials come and your whole faith is based on wealth and health and um, the lack of problems, it doesn't give you anything to help with those things. Right. Whereas the true message of the scripture gives you a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, the class that we teach for the high school here is a biblical worldview and apologetics class. And um, in terms of a biblical worldview, our society would teach that all worldviews are equal and that all worldviews are correct. And it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it sincerely and you know all that other kind of stuff. Whereas um, we try to train the students to say, no, all worldviews are not right, and okay. you can look at them, and and are they consistent? Mm-hmm. Are they comprehensive? How well do they match reality? Well, one of the big problems with the prosperity gospel is that it is inconsistent, and it doesn't match reality, mm-hmm. because even people who subscribe to the prosperity gospel lose their wealth, get sick, and have trouble. A lot of the 
least from what I've noticed, um, it seems like the whole prosperity gospel message seems to only benefit a few people. Uh-huh. And it is usually the ones who are telling it, at least as from, from what I've noticed. <laughs> so it seems to be more of a pyramid scheme of some kind. Uh, sure, yeah. And it's you know it's so interesting because I mean nowhere okay I I could see a little bit um you talk Old Testament where even big things God promises deliverance I guess we could very easily misconstrue that as well God has promised prosperity to me God has promised blessings to me and in a way in a way He has but it's just more of well why are we so focused on our own prosperity. Why are we so focused on, well, even I talk prosperity, even talk money. I mean, it's um, like God has promised to see me through financial hardships. Uh, He's promised to uh, have a thousand dollars come to me every week. Uh, It's just, it, we get so fixated on the self-centered side of it. Yeah. It's a huge temptation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all know from our own experience that whatever it is you think you want, you get that, and then you're not satisfied, and you want something else, and mm-hmm. so, so that's a a, a never ending bucket to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a misunderstanding of scripture. Let me back up a moment. Yes, God does bless us, mm-hmm. and He blesses us beyond our ability to imagine or even comprehend. And He is at work in incredible and wonderful ways. But that does not always translate into material blessings, because that's not always what we need. And it's not always for our good. I mean, if you think of a parent um, in a kid in a candy store, I mean, it is not in that kid's interest for the parent to buy out the candy store and give the kid all the candy and they sit down and eat it all at one time. You know, that... that but the child doesn't necessarily think that. That's correct. The child would love that mm-hmm. at first. Right. Um, God is the good father. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the one who truly knows what we need. And um, there are times when our loneliness drives us into a deeper relationship with God. Mm-hmm. There are times when in our poverty, we become to, to, to realize the riches of God. And when you look at the whole of Scripture, um, you, know, you have warnings against greed, and you have warnings against the abundance of wealth, because it is very difficult. In fact, Jesus will say it's, more, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven, um, because the abundance of wealth um, seems to cause us to fail to realize how much we need God. Mm-hmm. But let's let's follow that thread here for a minute. Then that leads people to think that um, if you have wealth, then you are not following God's plan. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, you think you think of the rich, um, the rich young ruler. Yeah. That Jesus mentioned, hey, you have to go sell everything you have. Right. Um, I think that was right before he said that it's hard, hard, easier for yeah. Camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And it's people pick up that mentality from that bit of scripture because they think, oh well, if I I can't own anything if I want to enter heaven, I can't own like I guess they they feel like the temptation's too strong. For some people, that temptation is too strong. Hmm. I mean, there there are people and have been all through history that. They felt the tug of abundance and comfort and wealth so strongly that they live a very impoverished life um, because mm. they don't want those temptations. They don't mm-hmm. want those things to own them or to have a hold over them or that kind of thing. There are other folks who that's, you know, yes, that temptation is still real, but it doesn't have that same strong pull and who maybe could handle that. Um, I, I tend to go back to the idea that we're blessed to be a blessing. Mm. 
So wealth in and of itself is not bad. Um, how are you going to use that wealth? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you spend it all on yourself, then yes, that becomes an idol. That becomes a stumbling block between you and your relationship with God. Um, you know, Jesus tells the parable of the of the man who has an abundant harvest, and his thought is, "Ooh, I can bless everybody in my community with this harvest." Yeah. No, his thought is, "I'm going to store up all this stuff for myself." Mm-hmm. And the pronouns all through Jesus' story are about me and I, and right. and he doesn't give a thought to his community or to the greater purpose for which he might be blessed. And Jesus calls him a fool um, because that very night his soul will be demanded. And Jesus is the one who tells us not to store up riches here on earth. Hey, they're thieves here, and moth and rust decay, and they sure do. Yeah. Um, store up riches for yourself in heaven. Store up riches for yourself um, that have eternal value, that will that will truly make a, a difference. So how are we going to use the wealth we've been blessed with? And and I know it's easy for us to point to people who are wealthier than we are mm-hmm. and, and accuse them. Right, right. <laughs> but unfortunately for us, if you live here in the United States of America— even if you are homeless, you are wealthier than many, many, many people all across the world. Like you were saying, it's easier to point at the really rich. Um, there are even there's even a Instagram page that is strictly devoted to pointing out pastors who maybe go out of their way to be a bit too extravagant. Mm. Anyone can look it up. It's uh, preachers in sneakers is the name of oh wow is the name of the Instagram page and. Their purpose is just to point out, hey, what is this pastor wearing right now? Like, what they, and usually it's, you know, some ridiculously expensive pair of like Air Jordans. Okay. Or, but it's just to point out, like, hey, um, it's not that you're not supposed to wear this type of stuff. It's just you're going out of your way to be extra extravagant with what you're wearing. I mean, what kind of message is that sending? Right. I think the message they intend is God is blessing. Look at my prosperity. Right. I'm doing the right things. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the message that may be being sent is that greed has gotten a hold of their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And they need our prayers. Yeah. There's nothing in Scripture saying that God will deliver you money. Um, There's nothing in Scripture saying that you will have everything that you want. There's nothing in Scripture saying that you're going to live a long, healthy life because you believe in God. If anything... More of the opposite's true. Yeah, yeah. There are lots of examples. We think Jesus said, "Foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Mm-hmm. Come follow me." Yeah, you know. <laughs> so um, Paul, you know, got run out of every town he ever went into, mm-hmm. um, and was beaten and shipwrecked, and on and on and on. So, so those are the are I think about the disciples of Jesus. These are people that Jesus invested in and loved, mm-hmm. and almost without exception, um, they died martyrs' deaths. So being a friend of Jesus, um, you know, in terms of physical comfort, they were set up for a life of hardship. But I don't I think if we could interview one of Jesus' disciples, I don't think they would say, Oh, I'm so sorry I followed Jesus. Um, I think the spiritual blessings and the fulfillment and knowing they're at the center of God's will and they were accomplishing the things that God had entrusted them to accomplish far outweighed the hardship that they experienced. Mm-hmm. Because anyone who would look at even just the life of the disciples would automatically. This is not for. This is not something that I want to do, uh, because it's like, well, these are the ones that, like you said, Jesus poured his life into. Were the closest to Jesus in a way, and this is what happened to him. Why in the world would I want to get close to this person? Right. Uh, why in the world would I want to subscribe to this religious movement, even if all they promise is hardship? Yeah. Well, it doesn't just promise hardship, right? But hardship is part of the equation. Mm-hmm. 
um, what the biblical worldview does teach is that genuine faith is stronger than hardship. Hmm. Genuine faith is stronger than the trials and the trouble and the sorrow that we face in this life. Uh, you know, Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount with that powerful story of a wise man who builds his house on the rock and the foolish man who builds his house on sand. Well, the storm comes to both houses. Mm-hmm. Um, storms come, trouble comes, problems come. Um, but do you have a faith that is strong enough mm-hmm. to withstand it? And a genuine faith uh, is strong enough. Trouble can't destroy someone's faith if it is truly in God. So what is, what's the downside of completely rejecting the prosperity gospel? Um, I guess there could be... Because um, we've talked about all the... We've, we've talked about a bunch of bad things about the prosperity gospel, right. but let's go flip side. Okay. What, what would be, what, what is the downside of completely rejecting the prosperity? Well, to completely reject it, I think we lose the awareness that God blesses and mm-hmm. that God is the giver of every good gift. Okay. And that God um, at times acts to give us spiritual, uh, physical blessings, mm-hmm. uh, material blessings as well as spiritual. Um, and so you have examples in Scripture of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who were blessed, but they were blessed for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were blessed to be a blessing. And in fact, that's part of God's promise to Abraham. Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. Mm-hmm. So the blessings um, are intentional, purposeful, um, not meant for their comfort, but meant for their responsibility. And so I think if we reject the prosperity gospel in its entirety, we might also forget the fact that God really does bless and, and work in people's lives mm. that way. So so I guess that could be a danger of completely rejecting. Another would be that we, well, unfortunately, and this is probably even illustrated in our conversation today, it is human nature to be judgmental and to point the finger at someone else right, and to, right. you know, I've got this right, they've got this wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a danger there too, because while maybe greed has not become our idol, Perhaps our own self-righteousness has. Ah, same poison, different label. Yes. Sin. It's ugly. I guess the the result you would really want would be to abandon these kind of man-made ideologies in general Mm. and think, okay, what does the Scripture really teach? Mm -hmm. What does God want us to know? Uh, And Scripture really is very balanced and very much true to life. Um, It's consistent. It's comprehensive. It does match reality. It explains why things are the way they are in a powerful way that our modern sociology, psychology doesn't touch. I mean, it, it, it gives a really good explanation for why human beings are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a balance in Scripture between wealth and poverty, too, mm-hmm. and the dangers of greed and the dangers of wealth, and also lessons about how you know, spiritual blessings or material blessings can point us towards something greater, um, towards spiritual blessings. And so there's a, there's a lot in Scripture. Yeah. And I think there's also an understanding that everything, which of course everything good comes from God, we've already said that, um, but there's an understanding that even just focusing on the material blessings, that everything that we have received is not ours to begin with. Right. I mean, every, every, all the money you receive, all the things you receive is not really yours to begin with. I mean, everything belongs to God. Right. Um, that everything belongs to God, and you're just giving it a kind of like a loan for the meantime for the purposes of furthering his kingdom. Right. We're stewards of these resources. Right. I mean, that kind of destroys a lot of the things that the prosperity gospel would teach us because they believe, oh, well, you name it, you claim it. This is my, my blessing, big capital letters. And it's, again, 
going back to God has given you this blessing to be a blessing. He's given He's given you this for a reason. But again, the reminder of well, it's still not really yours. Right. Right. I mean, life here on come Earth in is, with anything in the world won't go right. out with anything because mm-hmm. you don't take it with you. Right. And uh, again, we're not here to shame anyone who may be in the crowd of the prosperity gospel. We just want to maybe enlighten enlighten you to things that may be wrong here. Because, I mean, some people may just not know what the Bible actually tells us. Uh, I think that's kind of at the heart of it. Uh, we really need to know what the Scripture says. And we don't just need the passages that we like. We need the whole Bible. Right. Uh, we need all of Scripture. Um, in Philippians, it does say that God will supply all of your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. But we get needs and wants very confused, mm. and that's a struggle for all of us. But in that very same chapter, Paul says, I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret of being content in each and every situation. I've learned the secret of you know being content when I'm hungry. I've learned the secret of being content when I'm well-fed. I've learned the secret of being content when I have clothes. I've learned the secret of being content when I don't have clothes. Um, regardless of what circumstance we have in life, there is strength and there is help and there is hope through Christ. So Paul discovered that secret that very few people discover, mm-hmm. and that is that our true contentment comes from our relationship with Christ. And even working farther than that, uh, because I feel like that's something that's always easy to say that you know, but it's so much harder to actually put it in practice. And uh, even with this, I mean, the prosperity gospel, the not prosperity gospel, finding that balance and a, being able to maintain it is another one of those hard things. It is, because it's a constant temptation. Mm-hmm. And we can very easily give in to our own comfort. We want to be comfortable. Right. Whereas we may need to be uncomfortable to, to be able to grow and to be able to be the people God has called us to be and to learn to really trust him. And that's hard for us. Uh, I think about Peter taking the first step onto the water, mm-hmm. getting out of the boat to follow Jesus. I mean, that, that had to have been a fascinating moment as his foot went down on top of the water and yet he was sustained. Um, but then, of course, as you know the story, he quickly focused on the wind and the waves, took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. Um, and but, that happens to us too. But I'm sure a lot of people who read that story automatically think, well, I wouldn't do that. If oh, I was no. in that situation, I wouldn't do that. I would Keep stand my eyes strong. On Jesus. And, right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pride takes all forms, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very easy for us to get distracted, and it's very easy for us to give in. And um, temptations are subtle, and greed and pride have a way of consuming us before we even know what's happening. So often Jesus will say, well, Jesus speaks a great deal about money. And in the prelude, or the verses that come right before that story that he tells about the rich man, it's Mm. brothers that want him to settle a family dispute. They're arguing over their inheritance. And Jesus says, hey... Be on your guard for all kinds of greed. And just that warning helps us to close us into the fact that there are different kinds of greed and that there are different kinds of subtle temptations mm-hmm. that can really latch onto our heart and drive us away from God. So I think the prosperity gospel is dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I think if you you can condemn it to the point where you fail to see the blessings of God that do come and the way that he does use material wealth, to accomplish good things and positive things. What will we do with what we've been given? Are we going to be good stewards? Mm-hmm. Are, are, are we a good investment for God? Uh, you know, if he blesses us, are we going to multiply that blessing? Or are we going to store it all in barns and use it for ourselves? Yeah. That even goes back to one of Jesus' first parables, sower, which we've I think we've talked about before. Um, 
are we going to be the good soil or are we going to be the thorn or the rocks? I, I think in terms of rocks, because well, our pride might be a rock. Oh, yeah. Our greed might be a rock. And so you know, how, how do we get to the where we can be that good soil? And, and I think that comes from an awareness that the thorns exist. That comes from an awareness of, okay, what are the rocks in my life? What are my vices that I tend to fall into every day? We all need some good plowing, some good yeah. um, rock removal mm -hmm. um, and weeding and um, getting rid of those things that keep what God is doing in our lives from really prospering um, so that we can be the miraculous soil that produces 30, 60, and 100 times when the good seed of the gospel comes, prepared soil. God uses in incredible ways. But greed, you're right, is a huge stumbling block that sidetracks us from being on the path that God wants us to be on. So by all means, we don't need to limit God's plans for us um, because we don't know what they are. Right. I mean, maybe some great windfall comes and we completely reject it because we think that um, we shouldn't have material wealth. We should not have material things. And so, well, I mean, but that, that may actually just be... God preparing us, kind of like in the story of Joseph, that may be God preparing us for the next seven years of famine. Right. Uh, right. We may have seven, may have the seven years of harvest to prepare ourselves for the seven years of famine. Right. We should not limit the way God can be at work through his provision. But again, we should always be vigilant to the pitfalls that human nature has taught us to fall into. Yeah. Yeah. Or as Jesus says, be on your guard. Mm. Be watchful, um, be aware, because greed is subtle and it, it can it can mess us up. It mm. really can. Uh, God's at work in powerful and miraculous ways, and he prepares us for the future. Uh, he supplies our needs. He uh, wants us to have a vibrant um, relationship with him, and he fulfills the deepest needs in our heart. Sometimes greed expresses a, a lack of fulfillment in mm. our part on things that are real. We're substituting a real relationship with God, and the substitute is material things. Mm -hmm. And, of course, wealth can be one of those things, mm. and, and possessions can quickly own us instead of us owning them, um, because our life then becomes about protecting our possessions. Right. And um, even Jesus tells us, I mean, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Right. And so, I mean, but where we have to analyze ourselves and figure out, okay, well, where is my heart really at? Am I... Am I being pulled toward the possessive, or am I really leaving my heart work? God is at work in many different ways to shape our character. And whether it be times of difficulty where you know our human tendency is to ask, why is this happening to me? Perhaps the better question would be, how can God be glorified through this? And that's true in times of trouble, but it is also true in times of prosperity. How can God be glorified through this? How can I use this blessing to be a blessing? To, how can the kingdom of God be advanced through this? Uh, and that really needs to be the question in, on our minds, regardless of the circumstances. How can my life glorify God? It's the purpose for which uh, it's why I'm here. How can I bring glory? So if you were in his situation, would you have bought the BMW? Uh, that's tough. Um, pastors face a lot of scrutiny, and um, you don't want to make decisions that will keep people from hearing the message of the so what's more important than my own comfort, or maybe even more important than me having a reliable car, is how will, how will this communicate God's love? Can this be used to communicate? And so I, in some ways, it would depend on the maturity of your congregation. Do you feel like people really pay attention? I think some people do. 
and you, like just in general, you feel like the trying to reach the sum is the sum people is greater than those who maybe didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, I, I think you do have to kind of weigh that. Um, if that's going to really hinder people from hearing the gospel, then it's not worth. It. If it's not going to hinder people from hearing the gospel, then it doesn't. If I mean, what if you just really like Corvettes? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, and there are people that do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of that will depend on, and I hate to keep coming back to maturity, but but it kind of relates to whether people are able to see it for what it is yeah. or, or if it just becomes an excuse to attack a person to mm-hmm. not hear the voice of God. So do you feel like your car currently speaks the voice of God? <laughs> I think my 2010 Ford Explorer that's been on its last leg for several years um, probably is just a sign that... Um, this is, isn't a great time to trade cars. <laughs> so would you consider a BMW for your next car? Uh, if it's reliable and will get me from point A to point B. Um, and, and from my perspective, I think that would be the criteria. It wouldn't be, okay, who can I impress with this? Right. right. Or who can I show that God has blessed me because I have a BMW and they don't. Right. right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think those are good motives. Mm-hmm. So showing off is not something that I think is helpful. On the other hand, if it saves money in the long run, if I'm being good stewards of the resources, it could be a good choice. We make them here, right here in South Carolina. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting that we even have to consider that, that we even have to, cons- well, I guess that, that that may just be a pastor thing. I don't know. Um, that we even have to consider, okay, is what I'm doing actually uh, actually portraying God's voice in a positive light? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you can pin that on pastors, but I think that's something everybody needs to consider. Because, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, we're not judged. I mean, we are judged by the community, and we are judged by... Mm-hmm. But that's their voice doesn't really... It's not their voice that we need to be listening for. Ah. It's, does this please God? Is this accomplishing the purpose that, that he has set out for me to accomplish? Will this help or will this hurt? And ultimately, it's not our friends' voices who will be there on Judgment Day. Right. BMW is really not that impressive um, to the angel. Right. <laughs> what do you think God would drive if he drove a car? Uh, well, we know what Jesus drove. Mm-hmm. He walked. <laughs> You've been listening to Deep Dive for Life. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show this week. Remember to reach out to us at Deep Dive for Life at gmail.com with any questions you may have for us to cover in the show. Thanks again.